Support for OPB comes from our members and from our sponsors, like Mike Rosenberg from Columbia Credit Union. Mike says they trust what they see and hear on OPB, and that aligns with Columbia Credit Union's brand. This is Think Out Loud on OPB. I'm Dave Miller. We start today in Eugene. The superintendent of the 4J school district there is under investigation, according to Eugene Weekly. Andy Dye was hired in 2022. The paper wrote recently that a Seattle-area law firm conducted an investigation into Dye's behavior and turned that investigation over to the school board. Eugene Weekly editor Camilla Mortensen joins us now with the latest, along with an update on the paper itself, which ceased print publication in December, but is about to start up again. Camilla, welcome back. Thank you. There are echoes in the current investigation that you wrote about of allegations that came to light when Andy Dye was one of the finalists for his now current job as superintendent. What can you tell us about those earlier allegations? Yeah, that was something that uh, KEZI, the local news station, brought to light. And there were several anonymous letters and uh, one letter that was signed. And they made allegations that he was a bully, that he was dismissive of women when they didn't agree with his viewpoints. Um, And those were turned in, I think, to officials at the school and KEZI brought them to light. What was his response at the time? Um, you know, actually, it was, it was two different things. Um, one, interestingly enough, he made a complaint against a fellow candidate for the superintendent position, someone who was currently the interim superintendent, um, and he accused her of abusing her authority for suggesting that a high school principal submit any concerns he had about die to the district. Um, and then after KEZI ran their story about the letters, he responded um with a statement, and he called for a full and open investigation into um, the allegations. The board heard those allegations, and then in a four to three vote, they selected him as superintendent. What do you remember about that time? Well, first of all, we thought it was interesting that someone would want to take a job with kind of as lukewarm uh, as a vote, as a four to three vote. Um, It just doesn't seem like you have a board that really has your back. Um, And then secondly, that board itself had its own share of controversy. There were allegations of racism by one of the board members who later resigned. Um, We had done an investigation into several of the members um, who uh, we had done public records requests for the use of text messaging um, and later using the encrypted messaging app Signal. Um, And the Register Guard actually did some reporting on it, and (laughs) they won the prize for best headline. Um, As a result of that, uh, their story was, 4J Board gets schooled on public records law. (laughs) How did you hear about the current investigation? Uh, It was actually leaked to us uh, by several reliable sources. Hmm. Well, this would be a good time to mention the difficulty of the reporting for this story, which uh, is actually, I should note, it's a collaboration with the investigative journalist Brent Walth at the University of Oregon and the Catalyst program in the U of O's journalism school. What kinds of challenges have you all been facing? Yeah, the Catalyst um, journalism project is, they're great. And um, we were working with two students, uh, Soph Cassette and Tristan Hoffman, and they have been just amazing. Um, For one thing, my own personal experience, attending an executive session itself can be intimidating just because it's, you know, very clear. There are a lot of rules around it. The public can't be there. The media can, but the media can't report on it. Um, And then for them to have to go back again after we ran the first story and go to more executive sessions, um, that was was a lot. 
we knew about the investigation. And uh, when we saw that there was an executive session to, quote, consider the dismissal or disciplining of or to hear complaints or charges brought against a public officer, employee, et cetera, um, we sent the students there. But under Oregon law, we can't report on what happened at the session. Um, so we went on what, with what we had, what we already had before the session. We reached out to the board members for comment. And we were really clear that we had the information that there was an investigation and even what the investigation was about before the session. Um, they all sent us to the board chair um, and she repeatedly has responded that she is not in a position to comment on even the existence of any potential investigation. I should say we actually um, got th th that same response today from the board chair saying we, we cannot comment on... Uh, as you even whether or not this investigation is even happening. Yep. Have you been um, able to to get a copy of the actual investigation that, based on your reporting, was done by a, a Seattle area law firm? We have not. We have done a public records request for it. We haven't gotten the actual investigation yet. We have got um, feelers out everywhere to to get it. Um, so what we did is we actually started reaching out to sources that were familiar with the investigation, um, a lot of cold calling, a lot of finding phone numbers, a lot of people telling us, you know, I can't talk to you, but try to talk to this person. Um, and people made it really clear that they were worried about retaliation if anyone could tell that they were the one who spoke to us. They didn't even want to be the person who confirmed anonymously. Um, so that's why we're sort of uh, the sources familiar with the investigation is is the only way we can really phrase it. Um, it just took a lot um, to get that confirmation. Hmm. What do you see as your chances of actually getting your hands on the investigation itself? Um, you know, we're definitely asking for it. And uh, I, I've, you like we should be able to get it. And for one thing, um, I would think that Dai and 4J would want to get it out there. Um, before we even did our story, there's been so many rumors that, they're investi that the investigation existed, that if the investigation exists and, you know, all allegations are disproven, then you would want those rumors to be quieted. Um, and if the allegations are to be proven, you would want to know that that's happening with, you know, something as important as your, your K through 12 superintendent. Hmm. The board met last night in another executive session. And as you noted, by law, you, you can't report on, uh, in general, what happens in those sessions. Is there anything that you can tell us? No, we had, um, we had uh, one of the reporters there, Soph was there, but um, beyond the fact that they're happening and they're all on that same topic of um, looking into um, dismissing discipline, et cetera. Hmm. I should remind folks, if you're just tuning in, we're talking right now about the 4J school board. This is in Eugene. Their investigation into Superintendent Andy Dye. You mentioned that there were, were was a lot of drama with the members of the board itself not too long ago. How similar is the make of this makeup of this board to the one that hired the superintendent in 2022 there are only two uh board members still on the board that hired that particular superintendent um five of the seven seats turned over um, one was the resignation um, with the allegations of racism um, some folks didn't run um, and one of the incumbent members who did run and uh, really came across as a big proponent of die um, was defeated and a lot of folks read that as a referendum on the board's dysfunction, and um, others said it was because the weekly editorial board endorsed the challenger. Um, I'll, I'll take either one on that one. Hmm. What 
are the board's options? I mean, what could they do with this investigation? Uh, they could find that there's um, no merit in the allegations. Um, I would think that they could do training. That was according to the document I got on the complaint that he filed against the interim superintendent was that um, they recommended uh, that um, she was worked with with a coach. Um, but it would seem odd to do that, like to keep someone on that you felt needed that sort of training, I guess. Um, they could fire him, I guess, and um, they could just renew, not renew his contract. But we asked for a copy of the contract, including uh, how much salary he makes, and we have not been given that. I want to turn to what I mentioned at the beginning, um, the, the news about the paper itself. This is a, a pretty momentous week. The last time we talked, it was soon after you had announced that you had been the victims of, of embezzlement by somebody who worked there and that you were out over $100,000, that bills hadn't been paid, that people's um, retirement accounts weren't being funded. It was an absolute disaster. Um, but you recently announced that you're going to be printing a paper for the first time since then. What is this issue going to be like? Um, good, I hope. Um, I'm hoping to get a story, a follow-up story in about the uh, superintendent investigation um, and get the things that folks have been missing. That's very much what we've been hearing um, is that folks are missing the print paper and all the different aspects of it, opinions, news, um, a lot, the calendar. Um, and yeah, we're going to make it as... Uh, sort of jumping off a ledge here can make it as good as we can. How does it feel to be putting out a, a print issue again? Um, both amazing because it's been killing me to walk by our empty red boxes. Um, a little bit terrifying. It turns out it's a whole lot easier to run a paper than it is to resurrect a paper. Um, but there's just been so much community support and so many businesses and groups and individuals that made it really clear they want the paper back. So we're still fundraising, but we we had to to give it a shot. We have to. Where does the embezzlement investigation stand right now? Uh, it is in the hands of our accountant and the forensic accountants. And then uh, my understanding is the police really get going um, once the forensic accountants hand it over to them. Your paid staff went from 10 to zero right before Christmas. How big is the staff going to be going forward? Right now, because we really need to make sure that the paper is sustainable, we don't want to just print a couple issues and you know, disappear into the ether. Um, it is four full-time folks and uh, two part-time, which is part of what's giving me a heart attack <laughs> to get the paper out with um, such a reduced staff. Does it mean a, a different paper but by necessity with that kind of a staff reduction, at least in the short term? Um, you know, for one thing, uh, the aforementioned Catalyst Journalism Project and the School of Journalism and the students there and um, freelancers who I kind of jokingly say are they're offering their work to us pro bono. Um, they're in terms of the the um, material that we're getting, the content, the stories, the columns, um, that part won't be different. Um, we don't have a classified sales manager. So I think this is the first time I know of that we won't have a classified ad section, I don't think. Hmm. What have you heard from the community in response to the news that you're going to be back in print? People have been really excited. Um, they've already been, well, they were actually pitching me stories when we weren't printing. They're like, yeah, I know you're not printing, but I still want you to write about this. 
um, and they're pitching stories. I realized that after six weeks, not all the folks that deliver the paper were going to be able to come back. They'd found other jobs. So I just on my own personal social media put out a call that I needed some folks to help deliver the paper. And within like five hours, I had, you know, more than two dozen responses from people either who want the job or just like, I'll just come and help you out right now. Um, so yeah, it's been, I think the, the community has been pretty happy. I think, um, even in the digital era, like print is still or in the red boxes and the calendar are still such a touchstone for people that they, they really want it back. Camilla, thanks very much. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Thank you. Camilla Mortensen is the editor of Eugene Weekly.